Welcome to LilyPod episode 34, Thoughtful Labeling. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. As I listened to our previous podcast with Lark Galley, which was so good, and it was so fun for me to listen for the first time to a podcast that I wasn't part of, um, it actually was so moving that it brought tears to my eyes and uh, I could emotionally relate with a lot of what she said. Um, but it was brought to my attention during this interview with Lark that one of the things that helped her heal more quickly than she otherwise would have after her son died by suicide is that she was willing to talk about it and help others to prevent it from happening in their families and to succor those who have experienced similar loss. She wanted uh, to call her experience by its name and not sugarcoat it or avoid what happened. And she said that helped her heal. And later in the same interview, she mentioned how we can do away with labeling ourselves as divorced and simply be single. Which was interesting because I remember when she was saying how calling it by its name, talking about it, helped her heal. I thought, yeah, you know, sometimes if we've been divorced, we might feel shame about it. We might feel um, shame that she was tempted to feel about her, her son's suicide. And yet talking about it helps us to, to heal. And so... When she later mentioned we can not label ourselves a divorce but simply be single, I I, I really pondered that because I thought, well, which is it? Uh, do we want to pretend we were never divorced or do we want to label ourselves as divorced? And yeah. I think the – oh, go ahead. Well, I think there's a certain harmony in what she is saying. And the way that I would characterize that is that we have an opportunity – to address what was happening by its name, like I am going through a divorce or I have gone through a divorce or I'm experiencing emotional pain. But I think that's different from saying I am a divorcee. I am, you know, a victim. I, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Well, and for me, the answer came because I didn't think it was contradictory. I just thought it was interesting that she said something in a different direction. And that's why we uh, wanted to talk about labels today. Um, it sparked the inspiration for this podcast. And what we want to know is, are the labels we put on ourselves and others, are they serving us? Right. And I think the answer to the question, do we want to pretend we weren't divorced and not talk about it? Or do we want to label ourselves as divorced? And, and the answer is wise balance. It's finding relief in talking about what we've lost, letting go of the shame and stigma and being able to name things as they are, but we don't have to own it as who we are. 
right. just as something we experienced. And I think in some ways, just trying to avoid the subject contributes to shame or maybe reflects shame. But I, I think, for example, you wouldn't want to go on, an, on a dating site, include only pictures of yourself as single and no pictures of your kids and then no reference to your divorce. I mean, I think it's a relevant fact of your life, but it is not your identity. It's not your whole life. Right. It's only a very small portion of your life, really, especially in the eternal scheme of things. Right. I think you can be authentic about the fact that, yes, I was divorced. That is part of my history, but it doesn't define me. Well, and the words I am are the most powerful words in our English language. In fact, Jesus referred to himself as the great I am. And so whenever we attach anything to I am, it's powerful stuff. Right. And so the question is, is what we're putting with I am helpful or hurtful to us? Right. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about specifically the kind of labels we've heard mid-singles use for themselves. Right. And I think to some degree, we have all labeled ourselves and negatively characterized ourselves by doing that. Absolutely. Especially if we're in a bad place and we might say, I'm stupid or I'm overweight or... I'm no good, nothing, you know, I mean, I think we've all done that, but I think it's really important to be aware that that's so powerful and it's not in a good way. If you feel like I can't handle anything, if that's a label you put on yourself, I'm incompetent. What are you going to do when problems arise at work? Well, you're going to think, yeah, see, goes to show I'm incompetent. It is absolutely a self-fulfilling prophecy to label yourself as anything and then have it have evidence show up in your life to show you it's true. Whereas if you think I am competent, then instead of beating yourself up and saying, oh, look what an idiot I am. Instead of that, if you're saying I'm competent, then if you make a mistake or if you have a setback in your in your job or whatever, you can say all right, I'm going to get to work dealing with and solving this because I'm competent and I can. And I think that is a, you could label yourself as a problem solver. Right. Yeah. You could say I'm good at solving problems and I'm going to solve this. Right. And, and so I think labeling yourself negatively can also happen in marriage, in relationships. What do many mid singles label themselves as in dating, uh, they might say, I'm not desirable. Nobody wants to date me. Uh, No guys ever ask me out. I mean, there's a a variety of labels we can put on ourselves. Um, Yeah. No guys ever ask me out is more of a statement, but it leads, the thought itself leads to discouragement for sure. I am not desirable. I am not appealing, you know, those kinds of, of statements. Right. Well, and the opposite of those labels is not to add a not. 
So we want to advise our listeners against adding not to a negative term. So instead of I am not undesirable, say I am desirable. Right. And some might have to be That's more stronger. creative than that. But sure. you do have to look for the opposite of the label that is disempowering. So let's let's go through some examples. So I am divorced. I am a widow. I am an old maid. I am not in the marriage material. Those are related to marital status or or what you think is your marriage potential. And what would be the opposite of I am divorced? Well, you can't say I'm not divorced, right? And that wouldn't be the right thing anyway. You can say I am marriage material or I would be a good husband or a good wife. Or even I am. Right. I When I am married, I am a good spouse. Right. Uh, when I remarry, I will be a good spouse because I know who I am. Right. You know, and um, especially if you've done a lot of healing work, if you haven't done it yet, you know, take you as you yourself as you are. Um, but it's OK to also reflect in your the labels you put on yourself, what you want to become, because that is what the direction it will take you. Right. Um, so I mess up every relationship. Maybe That's I'm it. divorced could change to I am single and have experienced a divorce in the past. Right. And that would go along with what Lark was saying is that you don't need to own being divorced for your whole life as if it's who you are. You become a single person and then divorce was part of your experience getting there. Right. I don't think either Kathy or I is in denial about the fact that we have each been divorced. Well, in fact, I think that um, it's really important to be able to say so without shame. Correct. Uh, but it's one thing to to own the fact that, yes, that's part of my history. That's something that happened. And it's another thing to let it define you or color the way you see yourself uh, or to feel shame over it. Like Kathy just said, in our Latter-day Saint culture, there's a still a pretty negative stigma to divorce. And, and that has its good and bad. I mean, it's good that we take divorce seriously and we don't just believe in it for light uh, or unimportant causes, but at the same time, uh, if you really done the best you can, well, you know, it's a learning experience. Um, and like Maya Angelou says, uh, do the best you can until you know better, and when you know better, do better. Absolutely. That is a great quote. You know, um, I just want to go through the rest of that list that we, and, and do the opposite. So I am a widow could become, I am single. Right. Uh, because I lost my spouse. Right. Uh, I am an old maid could be, I have never married. Right. Uh, or, and it could even be followed by, I have not yet married. In fact, I have not yet married would mean that you anticipate that it will happen in your future. If that's what you want, that is a better, even better way to say it. Right. Or think about it. Um, I am not marriage material. Of course, that's going to be very discouraging. Uh, I guess the opposite would be I am marriage material. But if you don't believe it, you could say, 
I am marriage material and I am finding evidence in my life this is true. That's always a good way to use some kind of a label or affirmation that you want to believe that you don't yet, because usually life can show up uh, in ways to prove it true for you. Yeah, and I, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, you might be asking, or some might be asking, oh, why does this all matter? It's just words. We're just parsing, you know, meanings and uh, of words, and it's all semantics. I think words are powerful. Words are what we use to create our reality. What did you do if you were a missionary at the beginning of each week? You wrote down goals, right? to empower your, your week to achieve those things. And you could look at, at that uh, in any context in life. And so I think negatively labeling yourself um, is disempowering, even if you, uh, even if you don't totally accept that label and it's a momentary thing and, you know, we all do that from time to time. We have a moment where we doubt ourselves and negatively label ourselves. But, uh, you know, keeping that to a minimum and trying to positively characterize ourselves is, is going to give us much more likelihood of success in the things we want. Absolutely. And I agree with Jeff. I think that words are powerful because of the meaning they have for us and it, it ultimately determines the thoughts we have, the feelings we have, the the emotional energy that we put out, um, all of it. Um, look, we're going to go to to more examples. Um, one that we've seen a lot lately is "I'm too busy." I am too busy. How disempowering is that? Uh, so the opposite of that would be "I have all the time I need for everything that is needful." I have right. all the time that anyone else has and I choose what to do with it. I have my agency and I am choosing what to do with my time. I just think I am too busy to date or I am too busy to do whatever is like saying I have no choices and I'm a victim of my life. Yeah, and in a way it's like saying I'm too tired to exercise. Well, the way you're gonna be not so tired is often by exercising and now, with one caveat, though, we do have to listen to our bodies. Of course. Um, but, yeah, any time we say we're to anything, it, it's a judgment that we're making about the situation that doesn't feel like we have choices. Well, and I'm suggesting don't, uh, don't feel like you're too busy driving to stop for gas, and that could include, I need sleep, I need to take care of myself for a while, even though I have a task list a mile long well, on my desk. And so the thing that could be said then could be, I am tired and I'm going to honor my body's need for rest right. rather than I'm too tired for this. Did you hear, do you feel the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one is I am too old to find love. And we wanted to actually mention uh, maybe for the first time, I think for the first time ever, that the, the line we use at the end of each of our podcasts and YouTube videos is any time is a good time for more love in your life. And we really believe that. So you're never, ever too old, right. never to anything My, to find love. 
my mother had a great uncle who got who married a woman that he met in a nursing home when he was 92. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and they got married and they lived together for two and a half years before he passed. And he found love late in life, uh, many years after his first wife had passed. But it goes to show, you know, it's, it's not too late to live your life. If you're 60 or 70 years old and you would really like to have someone in your life, but you think you're too old, well, I beg to differ. Well, maybe you have too many health problems. No, I think, I think the older we get, the more of that we have. And yet many uh, older people find love and get married and have fulfilling relationships. Oh, um, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Let's go on to the next list is I am stuck. I am broken. I am still healing. Um, a lot of people say years after their divorce, I'm still healing. I'm still getting ready to date or I'm still, you know, and, and we took a long time to heal from our divorces a lot longer than we would have if we'd known this stuff. Right. Um, so what can help you heal faster is switching. I am stuck to, I, uh, what would be the opposite of stuck? I'm liberated. I am free. I am mm. open. Yeah. Those are great. Um, what's the opposite of I am broken. I, am restored. I'm new. Or even yeah. I am whole and I'm remembering that. Mm -hmm. Because really when we feel broken, that's just because we're not remembering that we're already whole through the atonement um, as a, a loved child of God. Right. You know, I don't know why um, this comes up really in the context of this discussion, but I do think it's applicable um, I recently, some of you know that I'm a football fan, although I've never been a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I recently saw a documentary on Coach Bill Cower, who became a, a head coach in, for the Pittsburgh Steelers when he was like 28 or something, crazy young age. But his, his daughters said that he literally never missed any of their high school basketball games, which occurred during football season. And that, to me, that's amazing because those coaches will, will work 16, 18 hour days during the season, uh, trying to keep their teams competitive. But he, he made it to all their games. He and his wife had a very close relationship by all accounts. And uh, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And right after winning a Super Bowl with a championship team he had built that had won two Super Bowls, he walked away from coaching. And he moved to North Carolina to a beach where his wife wanted to go and focused her, you know, focused all of his attention in his last days on making his wife comfortable and taking care of her and spending time with his kids and, and all of that. And he said, uh, kind of like Kathy alluded to earlier, that he wasn't expecting to meet someone. He felt he was still grieving when he met a rock star named Queen V. And she was a football fan, so she knew who he was. 
she was just coming out of a difficult divorce and but they met each other they found love together and they have built a relationship and have been married for several years um now you can say well he was a celebrity she was a celebrity and you know that's different but i honestly think it's not i don't think it is i think yes he may have had more money to deal with certain problems and may have that may have given him a little more leeway in taking the time he needed to grieve but those grief feelings feelings of rejection that his new wife had felt in marriage those are universal those are things we all experience yeah and you know he mentioned that they both maybe didn't feel they were ready but they met and they married and that healing can take place in a coupleship too right. it, it doesn't all have to be done on your own however we do very much encourage people to show up in a future relationship as much as they can having done self-reflection and self-improvement and um, becoming the best possible future spouse you can be in the right. time that you have as you're, as you're looking. Um, and, and what was the label that these people in the story used instead of I'm not ready or I'm still grieving. I'm in love. You know, right. It gave way to I'm it in gave love. way to something better. Right. Well, and if you feel like you're still healing, it doesn't have to be a label. It can just be a recognition, but it could also be combined with I am whole and I'm remembering I have healed and I'm looking for evidence that is true. Right. Um, now, uh, healing happens in layers anyway. I mean, sometimes even, oh gosh, I think it's been almost 10 years since my divorce to my kid's dad. And I, I still have some trauma come up around it, even though I've done a lot of self-reflection and self-work. Um, and when it comes up, whether it be trauma hate, anger, hurt, frustration. It's a rock or a burden that we can put back down. It right. comes up, we put it back down. And and it's kind of like onion layers, right. healing is. Um, you know, we don't have to have arrived at a perfect state of healing and wholeness in order to move forward with our lives. We just recognize when we need to take the next step, the next layer. Right. I've recently discovered a, a deeper meaning in the word shalom. I actually looked it up in Hebrew dictionaries and things like that. And it, it this it, is a great word. It means not only peace, but also wholeness, fulfillment of, of mind, heart, and body. And it also implies restoration, like putting the broken pieces back together, good as new. And restoration, of course, is something we expect through the atonement of Jesus Christ and and so I, I think it's a very meaningful word, but how many of us walk around in shalom 24-7? Probably virtually none of us. Now, But the goal is actually to be in shalom as much as possible. And when it's right. disrupted, to get back to shalom as quickly as possible. Exactly. And, and you know, I, parenthetically, I would say with regard to Kathy talking about her divorce a minute ago, I would say that. You know, my observation is that 
she is in shalom a lot more about it now than when I first met her. And that involves exactly the process she talked about when her shalom is disrupted and she realizes she's picked up that rock to put it back down. That's right. You know, I just, in wrapping up this uh, podcast, I, I wanted to mention that we, we tend to, we tend to, to expect things of people and, you know, whether, whether we've, if we've been divorced and we might be worried about how people might judge that, um, I just want to say that I think people show up and are as judgmental as we expect them to be. And I think the reason this is, is because we attract what we expect. And so um, independent of any other judgment outside of ourselves, how we label ourselves is what's most important. Right. And not only because really the relationship between you and God is what matters, what your understanding is with him who loves you and understands you perfectly is what matters. Right. Um, but also because that, that if that uh, judgment is self-compassion and if you, if you understand yourself and you give yourself that grace, other people are going to show up and do the same. Right. And I'll give you an and example. And even if they don't, it won't matter. But, if, but they likely will. Right. I'll give you an example that both Kathy and I have, have experienced with this. Uh, as many of you know, Kathy and I have each been divorced twice. Now, you could choose to, to look at yourself if you've had that painful experience twice and say, I am not marriage material or go down the list of other examples. This is never going to work out. Right. I'm not good at relationships, whatever. I think we both chose to say, I've learned a lot and I'm wiser now. And, not, and and actually do things that made that true. Yeah. Actually become learners about ourselves and self-reflective and all that. And that without those experiences, it, maybe I wouldn't have learned what I've learned. And so I think, um, you know, it's it would be easy to get stuck and in the mire of saying, no, I'm just being a realist. I know if you've been divorced twice, nobody's going to want you. Well, Kathy and I found each other. Um, I will also say, however, that I didn't limit myself to dating only people who had been divorced twice or even divorced once. Uh, I dated people who had never been married. I dated people, you know, that were widowed. I dated lots of different mid-singles uh, during my mid-single years, and, and many of them had serious intentions, even though I'd been divorced twice. Why? Well, part of it, I think, is I didn't make a big deal out of it. I tried to talk about it as, in terms of what I had learned rather than how hopeless I felt. Yeah, you were always upfront about it, but it, it, it most definitely was not a focus of our conversations, Right. other than the the experiences that lended to the learning. Right. Yeah. And it was generally discussed. I mean, both of us talking about past relationships, that was typically what, what it centered around is what have we learned from it? Right. 
So in, in summary, we want, we want our listeners to consider the labels they choose for themselves and others and to do so with wisdom and intention and purpose, right? To create the very best life possible for yourself and to support others in doing the same with labels that are generous and kind and good. Right. We keep you in good brain space or shalom. So my friends, that wraps it up. Uh, remember, anytime is a great time for more love in your life. And we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.